0: Miss Mila, Rahman, Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Hirobil Alamin, was sole to ala, Ashrafil, and Bia, Iwad Ursalina, Beina, Mohammed, Wala, alihi wa Ashabi, ajma'in, and my bad, a salam or alaikum or Rahmatullah, he or Barakatu, Allahum and Fana ma my Alam tenor, while Limna may and Fauna, or Zukna Igman Fauna be Amin or Abel Alamin, Alhamdulillah. We are at our lesson number two of our course for this month, insha'Allah. Uh, which covers the the daily adkar or the morning and evening prophetic adkar, which has been taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And in last week's lesson, we spoke about the importance and the virtue of these adkar. Then we spoke about the timing that they, when they should be performed, and we of course spoke about the the methodology that one should try and follow when uh, reciting these adkar on a daily basis. Um, in tonight's session, which is lesson number two. We will be going through a list of these adkar and looking at a brief commentary on each supplication so that when we recite these supplications, we recite them with a good understanding. Um, As we explained last week, that is the best way to perform dhikr is to perform dhikr with the tongue and secondly with our hearts as well, meaning that our mind is present, that we are focusing on what we are saying and that we have a good understanding of what we are saying and in that way it will have a Direct impact on our on our hearts and on our our, our, our nafs and so forth. So So, um, just before we get started, in the links or oh, sorry, in the comments, you will find links to the supplications that we will be going through the morning uh, adhkar and the evening adhkar in separate links. Um, we have managed to compile them. Alhamdulillah <laughs> So we'll be going through those links and perhaps not in the same sequence but we will go through each of them, insha'Allah ta'ala. So, without further ado, we look at our first um, supplication, which is, of course, none other than Ayatul Kursi. Ayatul Kursi is part of our adhkara, daily atkar. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's a hadith from Ubay bin Ka'b radiallahu anhu, Firstly, that mentions that this is the best ayah in the entire Quran. Secondly, there's a hadith that mentions any person who recites this after every salah, then there's nothing that's stopping him from entering Paradise except death. And then we have another hadith which mentions that whoever says the this ayah Ayatul Kursi in the morning, then he will be protected from or against the jinn. Until the evening, and whoever says it in the evening, he will be protected until the morning from the jinn. And this was actually stated by the jinn. And the sahabi who received this went to the Prophet, informed him of this, and the Prophet said that the evil one has spoken the truth. And in another hadith, also a similar narration of Abu Hurairah the jinn said that. Whoever says this before he sleeps, then there will be a guardian that stands watch over him throughout the night. So these are some of the ahadith that speaks about the virtue and the power of the surah, afan of this ayah of this verse of the Quran. So we go through the verse. We recite the verse firstly, so that those who are maybe not familiar with the recitation can at least hear its recitation um, according to the correct way it should be recited by taala. Allah Allah starts this ayah off by saying Allah. Of course, referring to himself by his greatest name. According to many of the scholars, this is his greatest name. By which if he was to be called upon by this name, Allah would respond. And this is his personal name. There is nobody that can take this name except him. And the name Allah, it means the one who is worshipped. The one who is loved and worshipped. This is what the name Allah means, the one who is truly deserved of worship or the one who is worshipped. There is no ilah worthy of worship except him. This is the meaning of our kalimah, la ilaha illallah. In this ayah we say Allah firstly, la ilaha illahu. There is none worthy of worship except him. And this is the basic belief of all Muslims that we affirm that there is none worthy of our worship, of our servitude except our maker. Except the one who created us. That's the one who's deserved of worship. They're the creator of every single thing. He is the one who's deserved of our worship. So we worship none but Him and we disbelieve in every single thing besides Him. La ilaha illallah, it means that we affirm that there's none worthy of worship except Him and that every single thing besides Him is not worthy of worship. In fact, its, its, its worship would be tantamount to major shirk. القيوم, the ever-living, all-sustaining. These are two of Allah's, again, his most beautiful names. Every single name of Allah is a perfect, beautiful name. Al He's the ever-living. So he has the attribute of life. He's alive, but his life is not like, like our lives. It's not like the life of creation, which is limited. We have a start and we have an end. We become tired and weak, whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has no beginning and no end. Perfect life. He is not, no no old age, no weakness, no sickness, nothing. Al-hay, the ever-loving. Al-qayyum, the all-sustaining. It means the one who sustains all creatures. No matter what it is in the heavens or the earth, it is sustained by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also he is the one who sustains himself, and he's not in need of anything, nothing. He does not need a single thing to help him or to sustain him. Rather, he sustains himself, he lives by himself, and every single thing is sustained by him. Al-Hayyul Qayyum. And you will find these two names often come up together in a pair. Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum. This is another dhikr of the morning and evening adhkar, which we will get to بِإذنِ اللهِ ta'ala. And then Allah says, لَا wa la وَلَا نَوْمٌ لَا sinatu wa وَلَا نَوْمٌ Neither drowsiness, no sleep overtakes him. And again, this is part of Allah's perfection. That no slumber, no sleep, no tiredness, no drowsiness overtakes him, ever. He is always in a perfect state of wakefulness, of strength, of power, and no weakness can possibly touch him. فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ to him belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on the earth. He is the owner of every single thing and the creator of every single thing. Hence, everything belongs to him. Whatever is in this earth, whatever is in the heavens, whatever is between the between the earth and the heavens, it all belongs to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Who could possibly intercede with him without his permission? We believe in intercession. We believe that on the day of Qiyamah there will be intercession. We know that Rasulullah will intercede on behalf of his ummah. And some righteous people will intercede on behalf of some Muslims as well. We believe this. But who will get that honor of interceding on behalf of others? We don't know except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. This is from his knowledge and his knowledge alone. Except obviously we know that Rasulullah will have this honor. But even this only happens after Allah allows it to happen. After Allah allows him to happen. So on the day of Qiyamah, the Prophet will be in sujood unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, prostrating unto his maker, until Allah says to him, "Irfa' lift up your head. Washfa' to and intercede on behalf of others. And it will be accepted bi ta'ala. So only after the permission of Allah is he allowed to do intercession on behalf of the Muslims. And likewise, this is a proof that no person can claim that he will intercede on behalf of others. So no great sheikh can come and say, if you follow me, if you, uh, you know, pledge your allegiance to me, then I will intercede on your behalf on the day of Qiyamah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refutes this and he says, Who could possibly intercede with him without his permission? Had, has this person received the permission of Allah? Of course not. Wallahu mustaan. He fully knows what is ahead of them and what is behind them. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows, refers to the future. Every single thing that's going to happen, that could possibly have happened, or that will possibly happen, Allah knows it. And whatever happened in the past, behind the meaning, whatever happened previously in the past, it's part of the knowledge of Allah. Because He is Al Alim, He is the all-knowing. Nothing escapes His knowledge. He knows every single thing and every single detail. But no one can grasp any of His knowledge except what He wills to reveal. There is no knowledge that we can possibly acquire from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, except that Allah allows us, except that He provides us with this knowledge, except that it comes after His permission and after His will. His kursi, and this ayah is, is obviously named after the kursi of Allah, His kursi, it encompasses the heavens and the earth. His kursi extends over the heavens and the earth. And there's an Athar that speaks about this. There's an Athar that speaks about this. Where Ibn Mas'ud, عنه, he mentions that between the first heaven and the next heaven is a distance of 500 years. And between each heaven, and we know there are seven heavens, between each heaven, there's a distance of seven 500 years of travel. So this is how vast the heavens are alone, besides the earth. Besides this universe, the heavens alone between each heaven is a distance of 500 years. And after the seventh heaven comes the kursi. This is the kursi that the ayah is referring to. So after the seventh heaven, there's 500 years of distance, in terms of travel, before you get to the kursi. This extends over the heavens and the earth. So imagine the size of the kursi. And the kursi is not the throne of Allah. It's not the arsh. The kursi is not the arsh. The arsh is the, the throne. The kursi is translated here as the seat. Other translators use the word the footstool. Right? Between the, f- the the kursi and the arsh, there's first water in between. How this works, we don't know. The realities of it, this is from the, the al Ghaib. So from the kursi, there's 500 years, then there's water. And from the water to the arsh, There's 500 years. then you get to the Arsh, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then above the throne is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what we believe. But we are referring here, this ayah refers to the kubsi, which comes after the heavens. Which comes after the heavens. This extends over the, the heavens and the earth. The size of it is beyond our imagination. It's beyond our understanding. And then Allah says and the preservation of both does not tire him. And for him to preserve what all what is in the heavens and all what is in the earth, it does not tire him. It does not affect him. He's not affected by this because of his perfection. He's never affected by this. For he is the most high, the greatest. For he is the most high. The greatest subhanAllah. Al Ali is one of his names, which is the most high. Al Ali. And as we just explained, number one, he's Ali because he is literally the highest, above, far above his creation, and free from his creation, above his throne. He is also the most high in terms of his attributes, in terms of his perfection, he is far above every single thing. Al Ali. And he is Al the greatest. And he's great in every single way, in his essence, in his attributes, in his names, and also in his actions. So this is a very brief commentary on this powerful ayah, the greatest ayah in the Quran, the greatest verse in the Quran, meaning referring to, of course, to Ayatul Kursi. So the Hadith then says, or the the benefit of reciting this every morning and every evening. The benefit is whoever recites it when he reaches the evening will be protected from the jinn until he reaches the morning and vice versa. Meaning whoever recites it in the morning will be protected from the jinn until he reaches the evening. And of course whoever recites it after every prescribed salah, each fard salah, nothing will be standing between him and paradise except death. These are the benefits of ayatul kursi or some of the benefits of it should we say So upon the Muslim who is to recite this surah every morning, every evening, and after every daily salah, fard salah, and also before he sleeps. This is the minimum that we should be doing. This is the the minimum that we should be doing. And alhamdulillah, most of us, we know this off by heart. So it's not difficult for us to practice Next up we have the mu'awwidat. Next up we have, the Muawwidat. The first of the Muawwidat, the Muawwidat refers to the chapters of protection, right? The chapters which are specifically known as the chapters of protection. And again, there are many virtues of the chapters of protection. Rasulullah ﷺ mentioned that nothing like these surahs have been revealed, not in the Quran, and not in the Torah, nor the Injil, nor in any of the previous scriptures. Nothing like them, nothing equal to them. He mentioned that the best way to seek protection is to use these surahs. In times of fear, he used to recite these surahs. In times of sickness and illness, he used to treat himself with these surahs. Hadith mentions that he recited the Muawwidat and he blew over himself. As a ruqya, he treated himself with ruqya, reciting these three chapters and blowing it over himself. And the hadith also says when he became sick, extremely ill, Aisha anha, Ummul the mother of the believers, she says, I then used to recite it, blow it on his hand, and use his hand and, and wipe it over his body because his hand is Mubarak. So they treated themselves with these surahs. And these are three of the greatest chapters in the Quran. The first of them, of course, is Qulhu Allahu Ahad. And we say it's part of the Muawidat because there are evidence um, to state this, inshallah. The first of them is the Surah Al Ikhlas, the Surah of Sincerity which is also known as قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ اللَّهُ الصَّمَدُ لَمْ يَلِدَ وَلَمْ يُولَدُ وَلَمْ يَكُلَّهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدُ That's the recitation of the surah بإذن الله تعالى. A brief commentary, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ Whenever you find the word قُلْ in the Qur'an, know that it means say. It's an instruction from Allah. When he's instructing the Prophet ﷺ then the entire ummah to say. Say, O oh Muhammad, say, O oh Prophet, qul hua Allahu Ahad. He is Allah, the one. He is Allah, one and indivisible, meaning He's one and only. He is Allah. We explain the name Allah means the one and only that's worthy of worship. He is Ahad. He is one. He is one. Allah, He is alone by Himself. He has no partner. He has no spouse. He has no offspring. He is one by himself. He is alone and he is perfect. Ahad. Allahu Samad. Allah, the sustainer needed by all. Or the independent master. Or the self-sufficient master. You know, different translations you will find across the board for As-Samad. As-Samad means the one master, the Sayyid. Who's perfect in his eminence, who is not in need of anything, whilst everything is in need of him. As-Samad means the one, the master, the perfect one who's not in need of anything, yet every single thing is in need of him. Every single thing is in need of him. This is As-Samad, needed by all. So he's the sustainer, يعني, because everything is sustained by him. Yet he's needed by all because there's not a moment that we live except that we are needed by that that we are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and yet he is not in need of us. Lam wa lam Yulad. He has never had offspring, nor was he born. As we said, never had offspring. Allah has no children, not a son, not a daughter. And this, of course, is a refutation against, for example, the Nasara who said that Isa is the son of Allah. And upon the Jews who said that Uzair is the son of Allah. And some of the Mushrikun who said that the Mala'ika are the daughters of Allah. Allah makes it very clear. He has never had offspring. And he never will have offspring. Because it's not befitting for him to have offspring. It's not befitting for someone or the being that's perfect who has no start and no end, the maker and creator of every single thing to have offspring. He is the God of all. And he was not born. He was not born. As we said, he is al-hay. He has no start and no end. Allah has always been alive. He's always been there. He's the first and he's the last. wal There was nothing before him that could possibly give birth to him. This is part the perfection of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala and there is none comparable to him there is nothing like unto him there's no equivalent unto him allah he is perfect in every single way and nothing can be likened to him nothing can be compared to him as he says in another verse there is nothing that's that's comparable unto him there's nothing that can be likened unto him because he is perfect in his names he is perfect in his attributes and he is perfect in his actions. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a powerful chapter of the Quran. A powerful chapter of the Quran, of which there are many, many virtues. But time does not allow us to go into all of these details. The next chapter, of course, is Surah Al-Falaq. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Say, قل, say, O oh Prophet, I seek refuge in the Lord of Daybreak. Al-falaq refers to the morning time, the early hours of the morning. Allah is the Lord of Daybreak. مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقٍ From the evil of whatever he has created. And again, this is general. It refers to any of the evil that's out there which has been created from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by Allah Azza wa Jal. So, this refers to any potential evil that there may be. We are seeking refuge in Allah, the Lord of Daybreak, from that. Whether it's from the jinn, whether it's from whatever it may be, from all evil. So, this is now something general. ta'ib, something general, honey, all evil. And then Allah says, وَمِنْ شَرِّ غَاسِقٍ إِذَا and from the evil of the night when it grows dark. From the evil of the night when it grows dark. And now we are moving into some specific things that we are seeking refuge in Allah Subh- subhanahu wa ta'ala from. So we see refuge from all evil in the general sense. Now we are looking at some specific things that we are seeking refuge in Allah Subh- Subh- subhanahu wa ta'ala from. Number one is from the night when it grows dark. Why from the night when it grows dark? What happens during the night? The hadith is a hadith that explains to us that when the night falls, just at the time of Maghrib, you should keep your children inside. For the shayateen, they are now widespread. They come out at this time and they, they spread out. And this is why, for example, this is the time of, of, of when, when they catch a lot of mischief when they catch up with a lot of, of, of evil. And this is the time where the hadith says, keep your children inside. Keep them indoors at this time, because of this, that the shayateen, they spread out. And also we know, besides the shayateen, even some insects and animals and so forth, as the scholars mentioned, even they come out during the, the night, depending where we are and so forth. And from the evil of those witches, casting spells by blowing into knots. Sihr, referring to Sihr, black magic, or witchcraft, and so forth. That we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from this. And wallahi, Sihr is real. Many of us, we we think, or we used to think, that Sihr only happens in some, you know, remote regions, far out in the desert, or far out in some lands where people are perhaps not as educated, or, you know. But wallahi, Sihr happens in every single community. Sihr happens amongst the Muslims. Sihir is taking place and those who are involved in the field of ruqya, they can tell you, they they deal with people who are afflicted with sihir so much. Wallahu musta'an. So this is of utmost importance that we actually turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we seek refuge in Him from this. The blowers in knots. This is one of the ways that they practice uh, sihir. Witchcraft is that they, for example, they get some DNA of the person, some hairs or some nails or some uh, any any DNA basically from the person and they tie some knots with it, do they use the hair, for example, to tie knots or some string, and they read some some spells and charms and they blow on these things into the knots. This is one example of how they, they do sikr. There are different ways, and of course, for us to learn sikhar is not permissible. It's it's a major sin. In fact, it's kufr. To practice and to learn sikhar is, is an act of disbelief that we should obviously stay far away from. Um, so we are seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from that and then we say وَمِنْ حَسِدٍ حَسَدٍ, and from the evil of the envier when they envy. Uh, from the envier when he envies. Um, seeking refuge in Allah now from hasad, from envy or jealousy or even evil eye we could say is part of this verse. And this again is something real. Many people have been afflicted by this. Even sahaba in the time of the Prophet sallallahu was afflicted with hasad. Um, and so forth. So it's something real and it's and, and something that, that we should be reciting again on a daily basis because these are real things that we are being instructed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to turn to Him for and to seek protection in Him uh, against these things. And so if you notice the surah, it starts off by seeking refuge from general evil and then it mentions specific things which are of utmost importance that we take k okay. and that, that we are guarded against so it's that time during the night it's sihr and it's that it's, it's people's envy and hasad and jealousy طيب so we make sure to recite these surahs with understanding باذن الله تعالى <laughs> the next surah is of course al nas qul a'udhu bi rabbin nas malikin nas ilahin nas min shajil waswasil khannas alladhi yuwaswisu fi suduril nas min al wal nas Say, O Prophet, I seek refuge in the Lord of Humankind. Rabbin Nas. Malikin Nas. The Master or the King of Humankind. Ilahin Nas. Ilahin Nas. Referring to the God or the deity of humankind. And these are, of course, all the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the Lord of Humankind, the King or the Master of Humankind, and He's also the, the God of Humankind what are we seeking refuge from from the evil of the lurking whisperer who whispers into the hearts of humankind from the evil of the lurking whisperer what this means is we know that each person has a karim each person has a shaitan that is assigned to him a jinn that is assigned to him and this jinn is the one who whispers to to us he gives us these suggestions to do certain bad and certain evil and so forth but this jinn is here he's described as lurking in some translations you will find the translation is used as retreating whisperer and both of them are correct lurking in the sense that he's always waiting he's waiting for a moment of negligence he's waiting for a moment of of heedlessness from the person and as soon as he gets that opportunity he comes with his waswasa he comes with his whispers and his suggestions طيب, retreating in the sense that the moment that the person remembers Allah the moment that he fears Allah the whisperer retreats so this is what nas means from the evil of the retreating or lurking whisperer yani he's always waiting for an opportunity to, to suggest some evil. Or the moment that the person turns to Allah or remembers Allah or seeks refuge in Allah, he retreats. So, this is why I say both translations are correct. It's either lurking or the retreating whisperer, um, as some scholars of tafsir have mentioned, and Allah knows best. And he, of course, whispers into the hearts of humankind. From amongst the jinn and humankind from amongst the jinn and humankind, subhanallah, which means that evil suggestions can come from the jinn as we know, but they can also come from humans as well. And this is why the Quran mentions to us that you have shayateen and insiwal jinn. You have devils from amongst the jinn as well as mankind. So we should not just be on guard against the jinn. Yes, of course, we are always on guard against the jinn and shayateen and so forth. But even from mankind, those who lead us astray, scholars of deviance and misguidance, bad and ill company, who have an effect on us, who, who encourage us to do bad things and so forth. These are all things that we should be avoiding because they can enter into this ayah. So we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from all of this. We turn to him as there is no protector but him. There is none that can protect us but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, this is why in these surahs, we constantly say, Qul a'udhu, Who are we seeking refuge in? And we see all of the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming, for, uh, coming forth. So, this is again a brief commentary on the three Quls, right? Just like we did a brief commentary on Ayatul Qursi, Alhamdulillah. This is a very brief summarized commentary on the three quls which are, as we said, of the most powerful chapters of the entire Qur'an, especially when it comes to protection and seeking shifa' um, and so forth. Um, so the hadith mentions that we should recite these surahs, each surah, three times in the morning. Three times in the morning and three times in the evening. As we are talking specifically about the morning and evening adhkar, Every morning we should be reciting each surah three times. three times. three times. قُلْ أَعُوذُ nas three times each. Likewise in the evening. Whoever does that, the hadith says it will suffice this person, it will suffice him in all respects. It will suffice him in all respects. It will take care of your needs, it will be enough for you, it will be enough as a protection for you, it will be enough. To take care of your concerns and so forth. This is again a general statement from the Prophet sallallahu and this is not something that's difficult to do. Again, it's not befitting for us to ignore these teachings of the Prophet sallallahu um, Also, part of the Sunnah is to recite each surah once after each salah, once after each prayer. Make sure you recite the three calls at least once. Also from the sunnah is to recite them three times before you sleep each. So before you get into bed or as you're getting into bed, make sure that you recite each one three times. And actually the method is read the three quls. Blow into your hands and then wipe over your entire body. And you do this three times. This is what the Prophet ﷺ used to do before he slept as a means of protection. So make sure we try to incorporate these sunnahs in our lives, Our next dhikr of the morning and evening supplications is one of the most powerful of them. It is known as the tahleel. The tahleel basically means to say la ilaha illallah. طيب. So the dhikr reads, and alhamdulillah, I believe most of us will know this dhikr. La ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah. له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير. There is none worthy of worship except Allah. لا إله إلا الله. As we explained it with Ayatul Kursi, we explained it very briefly again. لا إله إلا الله means there is none worthy of worship except Allah. There is no ilah that's worthy of worthy of servitude. Except for Allah, which means I believe in nothing but Allah. I worship none but Allah. I disbelieve in all false gods, and I only worship Allah. This is a. Uh, this is basically what uh, this kalima means of La إله إلا الله. La لا شريك له. وحده means one is alone by himself. La شريك له, and he has no partner. واحده, he has no offspring, no spouse. No mother, no father. La and he has no partner, no companion, no assistant, nobody to, to help him out because he's not in need of this, and he's far too perfect for that. To him belongs the dominion. Every single thing in existence is part of Allah's dominion. Every single thing in the heavens and the earth and between the heavens and the earth is part of the dominion of Allah. It belongs to him. Lahul mulk. Everything in existence belongs to him. He is Al-Malik, one of his names is the owner of everything. So to him belongs the dominion. To him belongs the sovereign or the kingdom. Walahul hamd. And to him belongs the praise. To him belongs the perfect praise, all praise. hamd. For firstly, Because he's perfect He's praiseworthy Think of any person Who's good at something That person will be praised for His skill He'll be praised for His abilities Now think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's abilities Think of The actions of Allah Now think how, how, How much is he not praiseworthy How much should we not be saying Alhamdulillah just based on the abilities of Allah and how perfect he is in what he does. Think of his creation, think of his provisions, think of his guidance, his mercy, think of all of his actions and his, his, his abilities. It's endless. So for this reason alone, we should be saying Alhamdulillah and all praises unto him. And of course, we also say all praises unto him because of his favors that he bestows upon us. Whenever something good happens to the Muslim, He's eager to say Alhamdulillah. He's quick to say Alhamdulillah because we know no goodness reaches us except by the will of Allah. So these are at least two reasons why we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and why He is worthy of praise. And He is able to do all things. He is able to do all things. He is Qadir. He is Qadir, meaning there is nothing that's impossible for Allah. Nothing is impossible for Him. He's over all things competent and able. There is nothing that's too difficult or too much for him. Whatever he wants to do, he can do. يَفْعَلُ مَا يَشَاءُ فعل يريد. As the Qur'an tells us, he does whatever he wants. Nobody can stop him, nobody can tell him, nobody can prevent him. He can do whatever he wants and he's able to do whatever he wants. Perfect in every way. So the sunnah with regards to this dhikr is firstly to recite them, to recite this dhikr 10 times every morning and every evening. Every morning and every evening, we recite this dhikr 10 times each. And the reward for this is, as the hadith mentions, that whoever says this 10 times in the morning, will have 100 good deeds written for him. 100 sins erased from him. The reward of emancipating or freeing one slave written for him, and he will be protected until the evening. And whoever says when he reaches the evening, he will get the same. Subhanallah. So just by saying this 10 times, and it won't take you more than a minute, to say this 10 times or two minutes at least, The reward is 100 good deeds are written for you. 100 sins are erased from you. You get the reward of freeing a slave and you are protected until the evening. If you say this in the evening, you get the same thing and you'll be protected until the morning. This is the reward for saying this tahleel. Amazing. Another sunnah states that it's also a sunnah to say this 100 times a day. And this is not this is not restricted to the morning and evening. Now this means throughout the day. If you repeat this dhikr at least a hundred times, then the reward is equal to freeing ten slaves. You also get one hundred good deeds, one hundred bad deeds are uh, erased, and this person will be protected from the shaitan all day until the evening comes. And no one will bring anything better than what he has brought, except a man who has done more than him. Subhanallah. So there's a slight difference in the reward, number one. Nobody will, do, will, will bring anything better than this person on the day of Qiyamah except the person who has done more than him. And likewise, you get the, the reward of freeing 10 slaves and not just one slave for saying it 10 times in the morning and 10 times in the evening. So these rewards in reality really cannot be guaranteed by anyone but Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and also you will not get them except by following these type of adhkar, which is prophetic adhkar. That is taught to us by the sunnah of of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Also from the virtues of this tahleel, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam described it on the day of Arafah and he said, the best of dua is the dua of the day of Arafah and the best that I and the prophets before me said is the tahleel. That proves to us that this is a special dhikr. It's a special supplication. Because the Prophet says, it's the best what I have said and the Prophets before me have said. In another hadith, it says, whoever says ten times, now notice again, this is not restricted to the morning and evening. It's anytime you say this dhikr ten times, he will have a reward equal to that of emancipating four of the descendants of Ismail from slavery. Subhanallah. So really if one counts the amount of reward for doing this zikr, it's really, it's, it's, it's beyond what we can imagine. 10 times, we do it 100 times a day, 10 in the morning, 10 in the evening, the rewards is great, Alhamdulillah. And to do it 100 times, doesn't have to be done in one go. You can do 10 now, 10 later, 10 later, or split it up into 20 or 25 or 50. However, if it's easier for you, the best of course is to do it as soon as possible, but whatever is easy, it can be done throughout the day before we move on i thought an important point to look at is the reward of freeing a slave because this hadith mentions you get the reward of freeing four slaves from the son of ismail you're saying it 10 times If you say 10 in the morning 10 in the evening you get the reward of freeing one slave If you say it a hundred times a day you get the reward of freeing 10 slaves but what is the reward of freeing a slave the hadith in bukhari and muslim says whoever manumits a slave A Muslim slave, Allah will save from the fire every part of his body for freeing the corresponding parts of the slave's body. Even his private parts will be saved from the fire because of freeing the slave's private parts. Subhanallah. Which means you freed one slave, every part of that slave's body has now been freed. Likewise, every part of your body will be freed from the fire. Even your private part is included in in this. So here we are freeing one every morning, one every evening, because we said it. Also, the four sons of Ismail from this uh, also we get that reward. If we said it a hundred times, it's at least another 10 for the day. This is how much we are in, in reality freeing ourselves from the fire. In another hadith, the Prophet says, Whoever assists a slave in acquiring his freedom, Allah will shade him in his shade on that day where there is no shade but his shade. Subhanallah. So this is one of the ways of acquiring the the shade of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah. So that is the dhikr the tahleel. طيب that is the tahleel. Um we now move on to the next dhikr which the Prophet sallallahu wasallam used to recite in the morning. It reads asbahna wa asbahal mulku lillah walhamdulillah la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah a whole mulku, a la hul hamdu, a hua, a la kulishay in Kadir. Robby as a look a high roma, if he had the lyomi, were high roma badahu. Wa a udu become in shadi mafi had the lyomi, Wa shadi ma badahu. Robby a udu become in el kessel, was soo il kibar. Robby a udu become in adabin fin nari, wa adabin fil cobber. So that's the recitation of the of the dicker. I will read it one more time with the transliteration. أصبحنا وأصبح الملك لله والحمد لله لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير رب أسألك خير ما في هذا اليوم وخير ما بعده وأعوذ بك من شر ما في هذا اليوم وشر ما بعده رب أعوذ بك من الكسل وسوء الكبر رب أعوذ بك من عذاب في النار وعذاب في القبر that is the version that should be done in the morning, right? The version that should be done in the evening is slightly different because instead of saying asbahna, we'll say amsayna. It means that we reach the evening. Asbahna means we reach the morning. Instead of saying in this day, we'll say in this night. Hadha al-yawm is said for day. Hadhi layla we'll say for the night. So just to read the evening version, amsayna wa amsal mulku lillah walhamdulillah la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير ربي أسألك خير ما في هذه الليلة وخير ما بعدها وأعود بك من شر ما في هذه الليلة وشر ما بعدها ربي أعوذ بك من الكسل وسوء الكبر ربي أعوذ بك من عذاب في النار وعذاب في القبر. طيب. So we look at the translation and a brief explanation of this dhikr. And wallahi, it's a beautiful, powerful dhikr. The hadith says, أَمْسَيْنَا asbahna." It means we have reached the morning or we entered upon the morning, and so too the whole kingdom of Allah has entered upon the morning or the evening, depending when you say it, of course. So firstly, we acknowledge that we've reached the morning or the evening due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, the whole kingdom, mulkulillah, everything in existence in the dominion of Allah, reached the morning or the evening only because of the will of Allah and the mercy of Allah. So this is how we start the morning and evening, realizing that it's only because of Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala, that we've reached. So we have to be grateful, we have to show our gratitude, and we have to praise Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala, and glorify Him, glorify Him appropriately, and then we say, Alhamdulillah, all praises for Allah. As we said, he's now deserved of our praise. لا We just explained the meaning of this tahleel. Okay? أَسْأَلُكَ خَيْرَ مَا فِي هَذَا الْيَوْمُ اللَّيْلَةِ وَخَيْرَ مَا بَعْدَهُ وَخَيْرَ مَا My Lord, I ask you for the good that is in this day or night and the good that will come after it. And I seek refuge in you from the evil in this day or night and the evil that will come after it. Again, now we moving on to a dua. Now we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we're making a dua. Oh my lord, I ask you for anything of the good that has been written, that has been decreed, for any of the slaves out there. I ask you for that good as well in this day. And what comes after this day or this night and what comes after this night. Meaning, we could say what comes after the day is the night or the following day. And what comes uh, what oft comes after the, the night is the following day or we can say it's the following night. So we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the best. For the best that he has decreed that he has written for any of his slaves, we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for goodness in this day and in this night, and what comes after it. And then we are seeking refuge in him from any evil that will happen in this day or night and what comes after it. Any evil that, that is decreed to happen, that's written to happen, whether it's for us or anybody out there, that Allah protects us from it. This is a powerful general dua that is asking Allah for all goodness and protection against all evil al-Kasr. my lord i seek refuge in you from laziness subhanallah and how many of us don't have the problem of being lazy when it comes to our ibadat when it comes to fulfilling our rights and our obligations with the rights of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rights of others and our responsibilities how many of us are not deprived of so much good just because of our laziness seeking knowledge reading the quran the Hajjud, and so forth it's only because of our laziness. So here's a dhikr that we make morning and evening that we are asking Allah to protect us against laziness because laziness leads to inability and that eventually leads to other issues like depression, like grief, like anxiety because the person becomes idle and he gets kept away from so much good and so forth. il kiba, And the hardships of old age we are asking Allah to protect us against the hardships of old age. Because if we live long enough and we become old, we want to become old in a good way, in a healthy way, in a strong way. And not in a bad way or in a way that we become a burden on others. We become difficult to be you know, dealt with and so forth. Wallahu mustaan. So we seek refuge in Allah against us. That we stay independent and strong and healthy and not weak and feeble and forgetful, and so forth. I seek refuge in from the punishment of the hellfire and the punishment in the grave. Now we are seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from two of the most important things that we can possibly seek refuge in him from, the punishment of Jahannam and the punishment of the grave. There is no punishment that's worse than this punishment. There's no punishment in the dunya that can compare to the punishment of the grave, and then that can compare to the punishment of Jahannam. وَنَعُوذُ billah. So this is of utmost importance. Look at this zikr. This one zikr alone has so much khair in it, has so much goodness in it. Really we should not be missing out on them and Allah knows best. The next zikr, the Prophet sallallahu said, in the morning you should say, Allahumma bika asbahna wa bika amsayna wa bika nahya wa bika namut wa ilayka nushur Oh Allah, by you we enter the morning and by you we enter the evening. By you we live and by you we die, and to you is the resurrection. Every morning we say this once. The previous dhikr was also once, right? Again, we enter the morning acknowledging this fact that we've only reached because of Allah, and we only reach the evening because of Allah, and we only are alive, and we'll only die because of Allah. Everything happens by his decree, and his will, and his permission. Wa وَإِلَيْكَ nushur, <النُشُور> And to you is the resurrection. To you is that final ultimate resurrection. We will all be resurrected again after comes after death. Everything will be resurrected in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again. Now, notice here, nushur is used for the morning. Because when you wake up in the morning, it's something similar to resurrection. Because when we are asleep, it's like a small little death. When we wake up, it's like a small little resurrection. So we say in the morning as a reminder of the ultimate resurrection. Wa ilayka nushur. In the evening, it's slightly different. Allahumma bika amsayna wa bika asbahna. Wa bika nahya wa bika namut wa ilayka al-masir. O Allah, by you we enter the evening and by you we enter the morning. By you we live and by you we die and to you is the final return. Notice the difference here. Masir is used, that final return is used for the sleep. or, or Sorry, for the evening time. Because it's a reminder that when you go to sleep, it's like a small death. This reminds us of the ultimate death, our, our main death that we, when we die, we are our return is where is only unto Allah. Al-Masir is used for the evening, Nushur, resurrection is used for the morning. So take note of that. Another dikat to make in the morning is to say, Uthni alayka hamdan wa allah Ilaha illallah. It should be recited three times in the morning. It means I have entered the morning praising you. I enter this morning. Glorifying your praises, exalting your praises. إِلَّ and I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except for Allah. So this, these are all, you know, we're praising Allah, yes, but it's also a reminder. Uh, we are refreshing our Iman. As the Prophet said in the hadith, renew and refresh your Iman. By saying, La ilaha illallah. This is an example of this. All of these adhkar is an example of this. Every morning we say them, we are renewing our faith, refreshing our faith by saying these words, ashhadu, and I be witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. So we say this dhikr at least three times. طيب, a reminder for the praise and the glorification of Allah and a testification of our faith. The evening version reads, and say to I have entered the evening praising you, and I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except for Allah. We recite this three times in the evening. The morning version, of course, is three times in the morning. Um we have approximately five minutes left. Um I think we can stop here, Um, and, and if there are any questions that we can take then we can do some questions also if there's anybody that was online last week and um you want to take part in the small competition there's some rewards that uh, organizers have promised so the question that i will pose is um, um what is or we think of something a bit more tricky. Um, is there any sequence that should be followed when following or when reciting these adkar? are there any specific is there any specific sequence that should be followed when uh, reciting the list of these adhkar? So let me look at the questions if there are any. Should we do the surahs before we sleep? Yes, we should. I think this was referring to the uh, the three quls. Then the answer is yes, as I did explain that it should be done each one three times, and you should blow over your into your hands and wipe it over your body and so forth. There's an app called Hisnul Muslim. It has all the dhikr and supplications. Yes, Hisnul Muslim is an excellent book, Fortress of a Muslim. It's highly recommended for each person to, to get and to go through. Although when it comes to the morning and evening adkar, then the list that we have mentioned in the comments is a bit more comprehensive. Uh, it has some extras in there that's not found in Photos of a Muslim. Um, and Allah knows best. Odd numbers? What does this refer to? I'm not sure what odd numbers refers to. Is this referring to my question? If it is, then the that's not the correct answer. Any other questions? Um, Downloading the stream. I'm not sure if maybe our our producer can make can can let us know. And it will be saved to YouTube for those who have been asking in the comments if they can watch this video uh, after the stream, it will be saved to the, to the YouTube um, inshallah. Uh, more of these events this lesson happens on a tuesday night every tuesday night at 1 at 12 am uk time so every tuesday night for, the, for just for the month of ramadan we'll cover the, this course on the, the morning and evening at God, inshallah Okay, I'll pose another question. When is the time for the morning adkar? And when is the time for the evening adkar? The morning supplications, when should it be done? Ideally, and when should the evening supplications be done ideally. Any uh, questions? Anybody to answer the question? There's a there's a, a, a reward. Okay, brother Farhan. Maybe during the time of Fajr and after Maghrib. Um. That's half correct. So the morning supplications would be after Fajr. Yes, starting after Fajr until. Brother Farhan, you should defer to last week's lecture, lecture, inshallah and you'll find the answer. Anybody else? We've got one minute left, or 30 seconds left. Uh, so, to give the answer, um, the time for the morning adhkar supplications is? If not maghrib, in Aisha. Sorry, you're getting colder. No glitching, you're getting colder. The morning adhkar starts after fajr until sunrise. That's the ideal and that's the, the prophetic and the best time to do it. After, after fajr until sunrise. And the evening adkar is not the night adhkar. It's not nighttime adhkar, yani after maghrib. Because the night starts at maghrib. So actually it's before maghrib. And it starts after Salatul Asr. It starts from Asr until maghrib. This we covered in last week's lecture. I advise each person to go through that lecture. Because we did the fiqh of these adhkar. Before we went through the adhkar, we spoke about the importance, the time it should be done, the way it should be done. All of that was discussed in last week's lecture which should be available on the YouTube channel, inshallah. Um, uh, and so we will wrap up here, bi and next week, inshallah, we'll speak further about these adhkar. There are a lot more that we need to get to, a lot more powerful dhikrs and, and supplications that the Prophet sallallahu never left off. He did them, he instructed us to do them, like Sayyid istighfar and a number of others that carries a lot of fawaid and virtue uh, benefits and fruits um, along with them alhamdulillah rabbil alamin uh until next week باذن الله تعالى jazakumullah khairan wa barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanak allahumma wa bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik